All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, basketball drama time in Tennessee time. What's better, the drama or the game time? I'm not sure, but to be honest, they're both kind of fun time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning out there, unless it's a you know, Thursday afternoon or evening or Friday afternoon or Friday evening or maybe even a Saturday morning. Maybe you're coming over to Thompson Bowling Arena right now and it's early Saturday afternoon. You're getting ready to head on over to the Tommy Bowl for the the big game. Uh, Whatever time of day it is, whatever day it is, we're happy that you're spending part of it with us here. It's not just me on this podcast, though, joined from, uh, I believe that we've we've determined long ago that this is the the Blount County Satellite Office uh, down there in Maryville. It's Grant Ramey. What's up, Grant? Uh, I'm good. I'm kind of lost, kind of bored without a midweek game here. I'm trying to figure out. I feel like my days are off. I don't know which day's which. Uh, my whole schedule's out of whack. There's a, you know, this whole finals break thing. It's a, I guess it's good for the players, but it's, it's left me kind of uh, wandering astray. It is weird, isn't it? Because we get into such, you know, and during, it's especially during football season, but it happens during basketball season too, where you get into a routine because in basketball, you know, you got your one Tuesday or Wednesday game and then your Saturday game. And if it's an away game, you're traveling just before or just after that. And, you know, there's a there's a press conference Monday. And then there's usually something on Friday before the Saturday game. Long story short, we usually know about where we're going to be, which I imagine is very helpful, you know, especially if you have uh, kids at home, unlike maybe some or some people on this podcast do not. Um, but, but football season's even especially more so like that because you know exactly – pretty much what every day is going to be it's different this time of year uh you, you got to kind of figure out like what do i do with my hands yeah well aren't i supposed to be somewhere aren't i supposed to be doing something or uh, why am i around my kids so much that kind of thing maybe my kids are wondering why they're why i'm around them so much yeah maybe I feel, that's the problem. it could be a good point yeah and we we don't have uh, kids here at the house we just have the the, the puppy which y'all love hearing me talk about all the time and he uh i think he's getting used to me being here like all the time this week so he's in for a uh, Depending on your 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 vantage point, uh, he's either really uh, feeling blessed or unblessed right now because he's like, "Is this guy always around? What what's going on here?" He's like, "This is my life now." Yeah, God, yeah. how unfortunate. Yeah, man, I, sh- I should have gone to the pound or something. <laughs> Guys, we got plenty to to talk about on this podcast. Obviously, uh, th- this is more of a hoops centric podcast. And and for those who are wondering why we're not doing the questions on the Thursday podcast like normal, I'm gonna do those. On a Friday podcast, I think we're going to do a special edition where we're going to speak with someone uh, who covers Memphis for for the 24-7 Sports Network over there in the Bluff City. So I'm going to tack the questions on to that podcast, and we're just going to do kind of a hoops-centric one for this one. But we do have plenty to talk about. we got the 19th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers hosting their good friends from across the state, the 13th-ranked Memphis Tigers, Thompson Bowling Arena, 3 p.m. Eastern Saturday at a sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena. ESPN has the call. And there's plenty to discuss here. What we're going to do here is we're going to bring you three segments. Uh, the first segment and the third segment are, are going to be me and, and Grant 
discussing things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the drama and maybe the potential future or, or lack of a future for the Tennessee-Memphis rivalry in, in basketball. Then we'll we'll go away for a second to, uh, to, to bring you everything Rick Barnes said earlier this week to kind of underscore some of the things that we've talked about in the first segment. And then we're going to wrap it up by actually speaking about the game itself, which normally is the top billing, but especially for this being two games or, or a game between two ranked teams, uh, kind of a big chance to send a, a non-conference statement for both teams. It, it, it almost feels like, and I don't think this is a media invention. I really don't. I think it just kind of feels like it's almost the second billing uh, because just sort of all the drama from last season and, and we know these two programs and teams don't like each other. And it almost kind of feels like the game itself is like not an afterthought, but but maybe second billing or at least a co-first billing. Is that Does that seem weird, Grant? Or, or does that yeah, sound off I to mean, you? It feels like that because people have been anticipating it and talking about it, you know, quite literally since Penny Hardaway wrapped up his postgame press conference uh, last December at FedEx Forum after he, you know, accused Jordan Bone of uh, instigating that, that late game situation where players had to be separated and, you know, everybody knows the clenched fists and kind of all the, the lines back and forth and then what Rick Barnes said on vol calls the next night and then what Penny Hardaway said is, at a media availability the day after uh, Barnes was making light of the situation on vol calls and talking about flopping and all that stuff. And uh, Penny, you know, using some choice language to talk about Barnes. And ever since then, I mean, people have had this game circled on their calendar and it's built up. Uh, it, it built up all summer as, as Penny was putting together, I guess all spring as Penny was putting together the number one class in the country. Uh, it's been sold out for two months. Uh, and on top of all that, you have a you have a nine day break between Tennessee games where you just have to, if you're a Tennessee basketball fan, uh, you sit there and just think about the Memphis game coming up, and uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a ton of buildup. And when the game finally starts, it'll be almost like a sense of relief. Yeah, and in that third segment, we're definitely going to have to talk about that layoff because you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, there's there's no way to know ahead of time. You know, you could look at it either way. We'll, we'll discuss that in the third segment also, but. In terms of this, I, I'm trying to kind of encapsulate the past year, Grant, and, and and some of this will be us trying to kind of go back through our own memory banks and what we can remember and what we can't. Uh, but I remember last season, I, when Penny Hardaway said what he said, I, I wondered, you know, this is right after the game, I wondered, did I miss something during the game? I thought it, you know, if anything, I thought, you know, some instigators were, were from Memphis. I don't know that I, I mean, you know, you, you'll see Admiral running his mouth like he always did and some stuff like that. And it was certainly a chippy game, but I didn't see any clear kind of instigation by a Tennessee player. So I heard what he said and, and, you know, about bone and some other things. And then I went, I went in there and watched the film again. Cause I, I as soon basically as soon as it was on the available on replay, kind of on, on ESPN plus, I went back and looked to see, did he cause something there? Did he say something? And, and I never saw anything that showed to me that even hinted uh, that Tennessee had started something. So then I started wondering, okay, maybe is Penny Hardaway just kind of standing up for his guys or, you know, is he, I don't want to say being a sore loser, but kind of being a sore loser. Uh, and, and that went through my mind. And, and then, you know, Rick Barnes kind of instigated it not long after that with his own comments on the show. And then Penny fired back again. And then I thought, okay, yeah, they're, they're definitely under Penny's skin now. Uh, and I just wonder, have you spoken with anyone at Memphis who has found any validity to any of the things Penny Hardaway said? Because I personally have not. No, I mean, somebody messaged me. Uh, I can't remember when it was. I guess a couple days. I guess it was when Penny uh, went off 
I guess it was either before practice or after practice in that media session uh, when he was responding to kind of what Barnes had said about his team. He was obviously very upset that Barnes had mentioned flopping. He didn't directly accuse Memphis of flopping, but they discussed it on the show uh, on ball calls for a reason because they just got done playing Memphis. Uh, and, and Rick had made fun of, I guess, made light of the whole clenched fist thing. Uh, but somebody messaged me uh, from, from Memphis that, that had covered the team previously and said this whole thing is crazy because Alex Lomax talks trash just like any other basketball player talks trash. And what Penny had said in that postgame press conference was, I know Alex doesn't say anything on the floor, so obviously Jordan Bone had to instigate that, that situation where the players had to be separated. And then he said the stuff about the Tennessee players coming over and having their fists clenched. But this whole thing never, ever made sense to me. Because what happened late in that game happens in so many basketball games, yep. and it's so normal. I mean, these kids talk. It is a passionate game. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Uh, the competitive spirit for these kids, uh, when it's a rivalry game like that one was, when it's the first time those two teams had played in, uh, I guess, five years at that point. Uh, it was a sold-out crowd. It was obviously a huge game. Memphis basketball had kind of uh, came back to life uh, in the short time that Penny was there or had been there. I mean, they, they were looking forward to that game uh, for a while, uh, and, and Tennessee won it. And I, I don't know what he said. I, I wasn't in that postgame press conference. I think we had went out to talk to Tennessee players, uh, and they kind of closed the door on that press conference, and they weren't going to uh, open and shut that door while Penny was talking. So that whole thing kind of caught me off guard. And, yeah, I was kind of like you. I went back to kind of see what happened, and it just didn't make any sense. And it didn't make any sense – for Rick Barnes to really say what he did and kind of push it along when it was really a, a, a non-issue to begin with. Uh, but uh, Penny went after Jordan Bone and uh, Rick responded and it all initiated and then Penny responded and it all goes back to something that happens in probably, you know, half of the basketball games you watch. There's a, there's a situation where it gets a little bit heated, a little bit chippy and players have to be separated. And it should have been just that, but, but here we are a year later, everybody's still talking about it uh, and Rick Barnes is, uh, clearly tired of getting asked about it. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because you mentioned that it happens in so many games. You know, different referees allow it to different extents. You know, sometimes some of those old, kind of grizzled veterans, the, the names that we all know. Sometimes those guys kind of want to take control of a game pretty early, and so they'll call things tight and they'll make sure nobody's saying anything to anybody. They'll say the next word out of your mouth's attack. You know, they'll 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 try to kind of keep a hold of the game. But sometimes in a rivalry game, if you want to call every hand check like that, you're just going to be there for three hours. It's just going to be how it is because it, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of those, uh, the comment that Calipari made one year during the Tennessee uh, Memphis series years ago when he said it's not so much basketball as it is hand to hand combat because they just get so physical with each other and it's a hard game to call. And I thought that what seemed like to me was that that was such a big game for Memphis and, and there was so much buildup for it. You know, it's the first kind of huge game with Penny back as the head coach and Penny's back in town. Everybody in that town loves him. He, he's Mr. Memphis and, and rightfully so he's earned that. Uh, and then they lost that game and Tennessee kind of celebrated it pretty hard. And I just kind of think that got under his skin. I, I think that, that he thought they had a chance maybe at home to kind of steal that one and and they didn't uh, because Tennessee did what veteran teams do in those really hostile environments and they just kind of grinded it out they found a way they played pretty well they won the game and 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 I think what bothered him also was that 
his team kind of got called out for doing what he was doing. His team was flopping. Now, do all teams flop to some extent? Yes, they do. Every team that plays basketball flops, just like every wide receiver. When he goes up for a pass, if he doesn't think he's going to get it, he kind of flails and bails and hopes to get a DPI call. That's what you do in sports. That, that, that's not anything crazy. But what Memphis was doing was incredibly exaggerated, and they were doing it all the time. And sometimes the ref called it, sometimes they didn't. But eventually they kind of got tired of calling it. And and I think Tennessee's players were getting frustrated a little bit by how much Memphis was doing it. And, and they kind of started running their mouth at him about it. And I think it really bothered Penny Hardaway. I think he was trying to defend his guys. And I think Tennessee kind of got under his skin a little bit. And I think he said some really stupid things. Now, that's just my opinion. That's not Grant Ramey's. That's not 24-7 sports opinion. That's just mine. But the whole thing... As soon as Penny escalated to the level he did, if it had stopped right when he, you know, if he had been able to make his comments about Jordan Bone and then Rick Barnes had been able to kind of offer a rebuttal and then the thing had died there, I don't think we're in this position. I think we're in this position because Penny Hardaway, at his very next opportunity, escalated things to a really, really high level. And that's the comment, in my opinion, Grant, you probably know Rick better than I do. I think that's the one that kind of put this game on a hiatus after the series for a while. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something that uh, I don't know how Rick feels deep down about Penny Hardaway, uh, what he's going to say behind closed doors. Uh, I think clearly um, he's tired of this situation. He's tired of this, uh, this conversation. Uh, he was asked at, at the quarterback club, Knoxville quarterback club about a month ago uh, when he opened up the Florida questions, maybe the second or third one was uh, have you sent, uh, penny a christmas card yet and he just kind of you know the room kind of laughed a little bit at that question but he just kind of brushed it off like i don't really see what the issue is here you know it's a year later everybody's moved on uh, and i expected like you said if it just died down i expected leaving memphis last season uh that the two coaches would kind of not touch it from there kind of handle it the way they have handled it this week and talking about respecting each other uh and the jobs they've done at their schools and with their teams uh, but that didn't happen. They they went back and forth. I don't really think Rick should have uh, egged it on with the, the stuff he said on Volkos. I think if he had kept quiet there, maybe it, it doesn't you know go as far as it did. Uh, but the next time Penny was going to talk that week, he was going to get asked about it because he made some pretty uh, I don't know what's the word bold accusations there. Yeah, with, inflam- with out inflammatory, bold. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways to put it. Right. Uh, you just don't usually hear other coaches call out another player unless it's something pretty serious but uh but yeah i mean and and this is this is college basketball this is as as kind of annoying as it's been to talk about it for a full year now uh, it's kind of getting old at this point this is what makes the sport you know what makes people love college basketball i mean tennessee fans want a reason to hate memphis basketball memphis basketball fans want a reason to hate tennessee basketball other than just you know the natural reason that they exist so uh, it, it's going to be it's going to make for Saturday Saturday a, a lot a lot of fun. It's going to be a crazy environment, uh, and it's 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 going to be a year uh, in the weights. Before I ask you th- this final question, before we go to break, Grant, I, I want to mention for for those who who aren't aren't familiar with it right now, last season was the first in a three game series uh, in this current contract they've got between the two schools. They're going to play. They played last season in Memphis, this season in Knox Knoxville. And next season, they're going to play in Nashville. And then after that, you know, if, if Tubby Smith had been Memphis's coach for a long time, I think they'd have kept playing every single year, no questions asked. 
uh, or at least mo- more years more often than not. Uh, but now because of what happened in, in the past couple of years there, I, or last year, I, I think that Rick Barnes is basically saying, I don't want to play this game anymore. Uh, now, I don't know exactly how Memphis feels about it, but I know that Tennessee under Rick Barnes, I don't think they want to play it anymore. So it doesn't really matter to that extent what Memphis wants, because if one side doesn't want it, you know, it's kind of like you're in a relationship, right? If, if, if one of the two sides doesn't want to be in that relationship, you're probably not going to be in it. So uh, that that's where I stand on that. But, but here's my question, Grant. I know that there are two basic schools of thought on this. And one of our coworkers, Patrick Brown, he and I, uh, we, we either completely agree on something or we just completely do not agree on something. And, and he and I are on the complete polar opposite ends of this spectrum. So I'm going to let you mediate this a little bit because I know you love your opinions, Grant. I know you love giving opinions. So he, I live for opinions. Yeah, I know you love them. They're your favorite thing. My opinion is, is that Tennessee and Memphis essentially owe it to the basketball culture in this state to play this game every season. I think the state of Tennessee and college basketball, I think it's one of the most criminally underappreciated states when you talk about not just Tennessee and Memphis and Vandy, but you talk about MTSU, Belmont, Lenscombe, Chattanooga, ETSU, Austin P, you know, UT Martin, Tennessee Tech. There's varying degrees of great, uh, pretty good, good and decent mid-major programs all over this state. There are so many programs in this state to get to they get to the NCAA tournament on it, if not a routine basis, at least a, mostly a regular basis. And and I think the two biggest profile, the two highest profiles, are obviously Tennessee and Memphis. And I think it's a celebration of basketball in this state when they play. And I think rising tides lift all boats. And I think they need to play each other kind of for this state to, to, to keep raising the profile of basketball in the state because the nation tends to stop and watch when these two teams play each other because there's a history there and they know they don't like each other. It's in state. It's kind of a fun, kind of a fun matchup. Now, Pat, on the other hand, believes that Tennessee under Rick Barnes can schedule anybody they want and is they're going to be a national program and they're going to schedule, you know, your Dukes and UNCs and Gonzagas and, and basically any program except for the Texas Longhorns, they're going to be interested in doing home and homes with and, and neutral site games and things like that. So he doesn't think Tennessee owes it to anyone and that Tennessee just doesn't need to play this game because Penny Hardaway's comments essentially made this a null and void series for a while. Where, where do you stand on that? I imagine you're somewhere in the middle, but but what's your opinion on all that? I, I've, I've always wanted you to, to be on the record about this, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. you. Can I just be Ryan Callahan and, and just sit on the fence and be like, hey, uh, uh, I, I see points on both sides. So, so you, I mean, are, you, are you really a coin flip? Are you really 50-50? Or? No, I'm not. I, I see Patrick's point, and he makes a good one. Tennessee doesn't need this game. I mean, they don't. They're, they're going to recruit in Memphis, whether they play Memphis or not. Uh, and if they get players out of the city, that's great. If they don't, they'll go elsewhere like they've gone elsewhere uh, the last few years. Uh, I would personally keep playing it because eventually this is going to be uh, water under the bridge. This whole fiasco dating back to last December, De- uh, December is going to be gone. Uh, and the two sides can move on and it can go back to just a basketball rivalry where it's, it's just basketball. It's, it's two programs on opposite ends of the state that, uh, that don't like each other, and that's fine. There's a lot of programs, uh, obviously, in, in college basketball that hate each other that play every year. I mean, Duke and North Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville, uh, you go down the list. I, th- I think the game is better, the sport is better, especially 10 times better in the state of Tennessee when this game is played. And I would extend it if I was Tennessee because I wouldn't uh, – Rick Barnes has no reason to basketball-wise want to get out of this series because he's won games, obviously, the last two years at Tennessee – uh, at a consistent level, and now he's recruiting at a completely different level, beginning with this 2020 signing class. 
that'll get to play Memphis next year in Nashville, like you talked about. Uh, but Tennessee, no, Rick Barnes does not need this game. Uh, it, it's not going to help his schedule, uh, or it's not going to help his schedule any more than any other team that he could go out there and get. When he got here in 2015, he called Mark Few at Gonzaga. He said he needed a game. He's got a game with uh, Gonzaga since then. I think they've played uh, two or three times, something like that. Yep, they have. He called Roy Williams at North Carolina, said, I need a home and home. They got that done. Uh, since then, they've added Wisconsin. It starts this year. Since then, they've added Cincinnati that starts this year. So, I mean, you can go down the list. They're, they're going to get in a good November tournament somewhere uh, and play a lot of good competition there. There's probably going to be a neutral site game in December like they've had the last few years, uh, Gonzaga, Washington, those types. Uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of, you know, really tough home and home. So, no, Rick Barnes does not need that. I think maybe Memphis basketball could need that a little bit more while they kind of, uh, kind of build their schedule up. But Rick made a good point uh, Tuesday before practice when he said, uh, you look at Oregon's schedule now, they're going to get a lot more big-time, high-profile games because of Penny, uh, because TV wanting to have Memphis uh, in those big games. In those, They're a very polarizing program, whether you love them or you hate them. So yeah, true. Uh, if it's my vote, if it's my opinion on the record, I would say keep playing this game because it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, my opinion is that you, you don't like neither program really needs it. You could argue Tennessee needs it a little less than, than Memphis does. You know, you could certainly argue that Memphis needs it more than Tennessee does, and you could argue that Tennessee has more to lose than Memphis does by playing this series. But I, I, to me, it's not a matter of does either program need it. I, I think it's a matter of should it be played. And, and I think the answer to that question, in my opinion, every single year is yes. Now, I'd rather it be home and home. I'd also be okay with them playing it every year in Nashville. Uh, I've had that idea for years about, you know, kind of doing a – a tournament or kind of a celebration of Tennessee basketball every year in Bridgestone Arena where Tennessee and Memphis play in the uh, the, the main event. And then you have two or three other games during the day where, where, where you get like, you know, Chattanooga playing at Tennessee Tech or, you know, East Tennessee State playing MTSU, something, you know, you couldn't have Belmont playing Lipscomb and stuff like that because there are some conference games in there. But have those teams kind of rotate and play each other and you could have – people could buy passes and they could be in that arena from like noon or 11 a.m. until like 9 or 10 p.m. And you just get to watch and celebrate an entire day of basketball in the state of Tennessee. So I'm okay. I, I usually prefer home and homes. But if they wanted to do that kind of every year circus-style event in Nashville, I'd love that, man. I think that would be awesome. You know what? Or, or you know, if the weather's okay, freaking play it in the Titan Stadium. Who cares? Just do something different. And, and I think – uh, that they're missing an opportunity there, but bottom line is, I just I I get a lot of personal enjoyment out of these games, and selfishly, uh, I want them to keep playing them. But I also think it could help kind of both programs and and, and could help the entire state. So that's where I am on it. I think um that's not any new mystery to anyone. I think everyone pretty much knows where I stand on it, but it's good to bring it up nonetheless. Uh, we're overdue a break here, guys. We're going to step away for a second. We're going to pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those fun things. Then we're going to come back and hear from Rick Barnes, Tennessee's basketball coach about Memphis, uh, what he does and doesn't want to talk about with all this. Uh, so we'll play all that and then we'll come back from that break and it'll be Grant and I in the final segment talking a little bit about this actual game uh, because at some point, uh, it's like Steve Spurrier said, you go from talking season to playing season and they're going to play this game eventually. So we'll be back in just one second with Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coach, just meant this game. I don't know how much you guys have watched it yet. That's what you see from well, I think, again, uh, Penny has done a terrific job. He's got uh, a lot of young players, obviously, that are very talented, and I think he's done a great job coaching those guys. But it's not easy when you have to start with a, as many young players as he's had. He certainly has a, you know, a couple of players back, but uh, he's done a great job. He really has. They, they're a group of guys that play hard. They want to make you handle the ball. and. They do a lot of good things, and you look at their schedule, their wins, it tells you that he's done a great job with them. And how, how have they done just in terms of working around Wiseman's absence? Well, I mean, they're definitely a different team, I mean, because, I mean, you got a guy that's of that caliber, but uh, I just think that I don't think they've missed a beat in terms of what they want to do and how they're going to play. And they, uh, again, they're a talented group of guys that play with confidence and know what they're looking for, know what they're trying to do, and but, uh, I mean, when he was in there, I mean, you look at his numbers, that speaks for itself. Would you like to see this game played beyond next year? Yeah, I think our, our deal, and I, and I don't think there's any question, it's their situation too. You, you're going to build the schedule based on where your program is and, and the opportunities are out there. And uh, I don't, I, I, I said before, I don't know where it goes from here. I, I know this, we, we're playing them now. I think it's been good for everybody. I think it'll be good next year for us in Nashville. but. As your schedule opportunities come up, you know you got you got to look at and evaluate it. And uh, and I know this that you can just tell in a short time the opportunities that Memphis has had with Penny being there and the team he's put together. I mean they they played a, a great schedule and will continue to do that. And and I think that when you're involved in non-league contracts, it's all based on flexibility. And because you know you 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 have opportunities that come up, but that might be once in a you know four or five year period that. You've got to be able to work through, but uh, again, I, I, again, I've got respect for, for Memphis and what they've done. And and when we got here, one of the first things we wanted to do was uh, when Tubby Smith and I started talking about it. It took us a while because of scheduling conflicts to get it together. And uh, like we're working with our schedule now, and I'm sure they are too. From Tennessee's perspective, what, what's the case for and against? I don't know if there's a case for or against either way. I think you're, you know, I think they've got an outstanding program, and you, you know, you have a chance to. You know, there, there's a lot of really good basketball teams in this state, and there's no way we can play every team in this state. And, and we are the state university, and we have opportunities. Just like I said, uh, I think I think they do. I think other teams in the state do. And and again, I'm not sure there's uh, if I could sit here and I mean I'm, I've never even thought about it like that. We just look at our schedule, where we are, and uh, if it's, do we need home games? Do we need to go on the road? Trying to balance it to make sure we get the right schedule here for our fan base and. And uh, you know, a combination of home games, away games, neutral games, and it's not as easy as everybody thinks. It really is something that uh, Mike Schwartz, who now is taking it over, there's something he does with our scheduling every single day. And uh, and I will tell you, there's probably every week he gets 10, 15 calls of people that want to play, and we call people, but it's hard to work it out because of prior commitments and things like that. It's, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. When you look at the days last... in between games, what are you trying to get better at the, after the first day? What, what are you going to improve? I, I don't think there's anything we're not trying to get better at. I mean, you look at our team, and, and one, we, we try to get better as a team, but we really try to get better as individuals. I mean, we spend a lot of time with that. 
But obviously through this period, you've got exams. And that, like today, we've got a late practice today, waiting on guys to get out of the exams. We're going to have a couple guys coming in late. And we backed it up as far as we thought we could. And uh, But we, again, you got to work around your exam schedule. And But uh, again, there's not one thing that we don't look at and see how that we can get better with. How much have you talked to Penny, if at all, since early January when you made the We, we haven't talked, you know, but that's not unusual. I mean, you know, I mean, I knew Penny a little bit, you know, from um, just being in Memphis recruiting and, and, and that, but uh, but that's not unusual. I mean, uh, there's guys that we play, there's a lot of guys that we've already played that, uh, like, for instance, Mike Hopkins, I've known him for a long time, and I, haven't, I hadn't talked to him before, after, unless we see him on the road recruiting, and, and I, I did not bump into Penny at any point in time on the road where uh, we had a chance to talk or anything, but I just think people have tried to, make something out of nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I've got great respect for what he has done, and I know what he means to Memphis and the program he's built there. And, uh, and he's done a great job recruiting. He does a great job coaching his guys. And, and uh, but again, uh, it's not like we, car we cross paths a lot because we don't. What do you make of the idea that, that Memphis and Tennessee playing is good for the sport and the state? And uh, again, you're trying to get me to talk about things. I don't, I, really, I don't think about that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I told you. We're going to build a schedule based on where we are with our program and what we think is best. Saturday, That's all I can answer. Sorry. Saturday, uh -huh. I believe, the first sellout of the season. going to be a pretty kind of raucous environment at Thompson Bowling. What have you kind of told, especially your younger players, as they get ready for an atmosphere they really haven't experienced yet? Well, they've been here. They've seen it. They, they know that during the recruiting process, they saw what it was like, and they know. But uh, being in it for the first time is something they're going to have to go through. and and. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be something that they'll first time they've been in it, like you said. And uh, but I think that's where you like to think your older guys are going to make sure they keep themselves emotionally ready, not not ex uh, really expend that emotion and lose energy because of it. And but uh, it should be a fun time. It should be a great atmosphere. I think it's great for college basketball. It's great for this state. And and uh, and again, it goes back to our fans. I don't think there's a better fan base in the whole country. And. You know, and if, it won't be the last time that this building sold out this year, and that's what's been exciting about one of the reasons being here has been so exciting because our fan base has really gotten behind these guys. When you look at Jordan and, and Lamonte, you play games in, in Florida against VCU, Florida State, but the leadership-wise that you need for them to bring to the table, have you seen that in the past recent weeks in, in practice, and what are you looking forward for them heading into this big-time game Saturday? They have. They've been they've been great leaders. Really, you go back to the spring and summer, even when both of them were out because of uh, nursing through some injuries that they had to get taken care of before the season really started. And But those guys have given us great leadership, and I expect them to continue to do that all year. Rick, you know, you're a guy who, who has been around this game for a long time, and you've played a lot of teams from a lot of different places, and so I guess you'd be a good person to ask this. Do you think that the average basketball fan maybe understands how many good basketball programs are in this state and, and how, how much good Division One basketball is played inside the state of Tennessee? I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't. Being here, I don't, I, I'm not sure there's a better basketball state in the country. I, I mean, I look at not only what goes on at the collegiate level, I've, I mean, I've witnessed some really terrific high school coaches do a great job with their teams. and and uh, But from a collegiate standpoint, this state has terrific coaches and 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 I said this a year ago. I mean, I mean, we've we've been able to have success. Memphis has had success, but there's other programs. I mean, what do you talk about? Belmont, Lipscomb, and Middle Tennessee. You just keep naming them. I mean, uh, East Tennessee State. I mean, teams that you look at them right now. There, there's a, a lot of teams in the state that's going to have a chance to get to postseason play. And 
And on a national level, do I think people see it? I don't think they do. And they should recognize it because it's been good for a long time. It hadn't just been good. I mean, it's, it's certainly every state goes through their ups and downs, but uh, Tennessee, the state of Tennessee's had great basketball for a long time. How do you think Lamonte's been handling the shoulder injury that you talked about earlier in the season? How's that progressing uh, the last couple Well, he does everything he can every day. He does every day to do what he needs to do. To I mean, it's something that he, that he has dealt with. and. He, he's doing what he can to manage it, to, and uh, our hope is that it's going to continue to get better. How do you talk to the guys that might not have the ball in their hand on every single possession? How do you talk to them about embracing their role and when you need 25 from them in one night, you know, when to step into that? How do you handle that? Well, I don't know if I've asked too many guys that we need 25 <laughs> from them, you know, but uh, that'd be nice. But uh, I, you just want guys to embrace their role, and that's it. I mean, we talk about we want to play the way we practice. If we, we believe that. We believe that we, we have – competitive practices. We know what we're trying to get done and, and they're like uh, rehearsals and we expect when the curtain to come up we want to see guys do what they practice and uh, nights, some nights it's going to be falling for them. It's not but can they impact the game even when they're not making shots. That's, that's a big key and we don't want them to put all their uh, thought process to where they think they play well all because of shot making because you can affect a game in a lot of different ways and and it's really hard for young guys to realize that, but the older guys, I think, they do understand that. Do you think about that? Do you think are you guys better further along on defense right now than you thought with so many new faces? You know, Rob. At times we are. You know, because you know we've got a couple guys I think that can really defend. I think there's not a better defender in the country than Eve Pons when he's locked in. I mean, he very few guys can guard one through five, and he can do that. And. Uh, then we've got guys in the program that have been with us, but our younger guys, uh, they're getting there. They're not there yet. And uh, I think that I might probably be saying that to you a, a month from now, but pretty soon that we've got to all get there. But we, we, we are probably in some ways further along than, than you would think because of so many young guys. But uh, they know, we know that we've got to get better. Rick, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time now. A game like this on Saturday, does it get the juices flowing and you do you get excited and any kind of nerves going into something like this? Yeah, I mean, I get excited. I'm excited to go to practice right now. I mean, I really do. And I think, and I've told people before, I, you, you said it, I've been doing it a long time. If I ever get to where I'm not excited to go to practice first, that's when I know it's time to quit. And uh, it's easy to be excited for games and you get, you know, you get your juices flowing for that. But uh, I think the real key, if you, if you love what you're doing, it's what you're doing every day. And so, again, if I ever lose the fire to go to practice, I'll know it's time to stop. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago during that commercial break. As always, you are not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated to listen to those commercials. But for those who stick around and listen to them, we certainly appreciate it. It's good for us at CBS. It's good for us at 24-7. It's good for us at Go Balls 24-7. So thank you either way for being here with us again, Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey from Go Balls 24-7. You heard just a second ago Rick Barnes, Tennessee's basketball coach, speaking about this Memphis series and you know, kind of this game and, and where things are. And, and Grant, we, we've done enough talking about the sort of the, the drama of everything in the past year. Now we get to talk about the actual game. And there's good news and bad news there, uh, Grant. The good news is that uh, everybody from Tennessee seems to be okay. Lamonte Turner's got that shoulder bothering him a little bit, and that, that is what it is, but they seem to be okay. The bad news uh, is for Memphis, two of those kind of seven star recruits that they brought in for, for this freshman class, including James Wiseman, who might be the, you know, the, the biggest freshman in the class. He, he certainly was the number one prospect last season. Uh, he, he's all over the place from one, two, or three overall in the NBA draft, a seven-footer with all kinds of skill. He will be out. Uh, another one of the, the freshmen, or Memphis's stud freshmen, will not be there. So it won't be a complete uh, even match, I guess, with both teams at full strength, but it still should be a fun game. Yeah, let's take a moment of silence to think about what could have been with James Wiseman going against Grant Williams had Grant stayed around yeah, and had been James fun. been eligible. I mean, that's what I was thinking about. As soon as James Wiseman committed to Memphis, I don't even remember when he did it, but uh, the thought of that matchup. Uh, but, yeah, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a Memphis team that obviously with a seven-man signing class I think they had in 2019, the number one class, obviously they had two five-stars like you mentioned they had. Uh, I think the rest were four stars, something like that. Yeah, uh, they were. Like five top 60 players. I mean, just crazy. All of them were uh, top 110, I think. Right. The, the work the work that Penny did in that class, uh, obviously, is pretty incredible. Insert your joke here about paying for James Wiseman's moving expenses and, you know, all that stuff and uh, that I'm sure Tennessee fans are thinking about right now. Uh, but, it, yeah, it, it's kind of unfortunate that he's not eligible for this game. It's it's kind of unfortunate that Lester Quinoz is out. Uh, with a broken hand if you don't know his name if you've seen any memphis basketball he's the kid that rolls his shorts up uh to where it almost looks like a diaper yeah uh, uh, the, looks the, like my son out there playing without any pants on i think the nice way to say that is that they are john stockton shorts uh the <laughs> the the more accurate way to say it is that they are nut huggers but either way they are short but i bet i mean still even without those guys those are two really good basketball players uh, and it's going to hurt you to miss those guys but but even without them uh, you have a five-star freshman in Precious Achua, uh, you know, obviously, uh, number 55, he's another, uh, I don't know what his height is, but he's a big kid Six uh, nine, that, I think, that plays officially. forward, that handles the ball like a guard and shoots the ball like a guard. Uh, and his name's Precious, which that's cool. I mean, he's uh, he's got another sibling named Promise, and he's got another sibling named God's Gift. So uh, if he's not known enough for his basketball, uh, he's obviously always going to be known for uh, the names in his family. But, I mean, you can just go down the roster, DJ Jeffries, uh, Boogie Ellis, Alex Lomax, everybody's going to remember that name. Tyler oh, Harris, yeah. a guy that, that picked Memphis over Tennessee when he, when he committed uh, to Penny in that program. So uh, it's still a really good basketball team, obviously, uh, to be ranked where they are. Uh, they had to come back from down 20 Saturday night at UAB, uh, which was surprising, down 14 at halftime. I think they forced 23 turnovers or something, and UAB kind of fell apart in the second half. But Memphis came back to win that one by eight. But they got a lot of guys that can cause you problems. Uh, and it's going to be interesting matchups uh, down low, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee, if, if Tennessee 
uh, can take advantage of having two veteran guards uh, to go against this team. Yeah, here's here's the interesting thing, Grant. Well, first off, if this is a close game, uh, Memphis has played in plenty of those already. Uh, Tennessee's played a couple too, obviously, but uh, Memphis kind of had to hold on to beat Ole Miss. It kind of had to hold on to beat NC State, had to come back and beat UAB. Uh, certainly Oregon was you know a relatively close game for most of the way. So so they've won, in, won some close games, lost a, a relatively close game. And then they've had a couple of blowouts in, in games that, that frankly should be blowouts. So so to me, it, what's interesting, though, is there's a couple things. One, I think that, that matchup between Alex Lomax and Lamonte Turner is going to be really fun uh, because both of those guys kind of are the guys that make those teams go a little bit. Lomax kind of – he's got the ball in his hands a lot. He kind of facilitates things. Uh, he, he's a big part of what they do at Memphis, and everyone remembers from last season, you know, how much he kind of ran his mouth and, and how much he – uh, then got basically accused, you know, you had Penny Harway essentially calling the kid a Jehovah's Witness, knocking on people's doors. And, you know, it, it, there was a lot of things about Alex Lomax last season that are going to be uh, memorable. But I think that matchup with him and Turner, just the matchup itself, is going to be a fun one. Here's what's interesting to me, Grant. Is this, when you look at Memphis and then you remember the problems that Florida State gave Tennessee – uh, because Florida State, I know it may not be the exact same kind of defense, but when you talk about the the kind of elite level length and athleticism that Florida State has, th- there's not a taller team in college basketball or longer team in college basketball than Florida State. Uh, but Memphis has got plenty of length and plenty of size on that team too. And, and if you watch that Tennessee-Florida State tape or you think about that game, does that give you pause about my, maybe some of the problems Memphis can cause Tennessee? For sure. I mean, it comes down to how disciplined are they in pressuring uh, Tennessee's guards on the perimeter. Uh, That's what Florida State lives and dies by, uh, and Tennessee lives and dies by production on the perimeter from those veteran guards. Um, I believe Florida State uh, in the Ken Palm defensive efficiency rating is like sixth nationally, uh, and I believe Memphis, I'll have to look it up, I think they're 41st uh, in defensive efficiency, 42nd actually, so... Uh, there's quite a bit of difference there, but yeah, if you have that length and you have the discipline to pressure the basketball on the perimeter uh, the way Florida State did, that's a really good uh, case study on how to give Tennessee problems because they're going to want to go through, obviously, Lamonte Turner uh, and Jordan Bowden and Eve Pons and kind of go from there. And if you can take those guys away, uh, if you can get them sped up like they did early in the game with Lamonte Turner, uh, turning it over as much as he did early in the game and, and Florida State jumping out to a 10-point lead, uh, and Tennessee never really being able to completely climb out of that hole, uh, that's that's obviously something that uh, would would really hinder Tennessee a lot if, if Memphis was able to do that. Uh, something, you know, kind of off the wall to consider is how kind of an intangible, how does Memphis and how do these young guys handle uh, a capacity crowd at Thompson Bowling Arena uh, and, and a place that can get really, really loud at times? And also, how does Tennessee's young players handle that that atmosphere? Obviously, you benefit from the home side, uh, but Tennessee's defense should benefit the most from that kind of crowd noise and that kind of uh, environment, that kind of situation. Uh, but, yeah, if, if Memphis can use their link to their advantage on the perimeter and slow Tennessee down, uh, it could be bad news. But you would assume Lamonte Turner uh, learned quite a bit, and Jordan Bowden as well. He can't disappear in these kind of games, uh, and Lamonte Turner can't turn it over the way he did against Florida State. Yeah, when I, when I look, about, look at it a little bit, I know Memphis does a lot of that kind of dribble drive stuff still, and – you know, I think that kind of offense, uh, it, it maybe is helpful when you go on the road and you play an offense like that because it's not nearly based on as much sort of precision as Tennessee's offense is. If you watch what Tennessee does offensively, 
you can see how you have to be really disciplined to play that way on the road with all that noise because they do a lot of, you know, communicating. They do a lot of actions and they, they do a lot of screens. They do a lot of, you know, cuts and they throw the ball to a space more than to a man. They do a lot of things that require sort of some intricate discipline. And I'm not saying Memphis doesn't because it's not simple what they do either, but they do a little bit more of that kind of dribble drive stuff and drive and kick. And they play what looks to me like a simpler offense, especially because they have their the, the entire team basically is, is freshmen or sophomores. Uh, but, but I think that, that that looks like an interesting thing to me is that Memphis maybe has a chance to, at least from a X's and O's standpoint, not be as phased. Now, that doesn't mean you won't be phased, though, because you still have to deal with, you know, just your emotions. And, you know, if you're Memphis, you're, you're going to be booed throughout the entire pregame warm-ups. You're going to have that, that student section just, humi- you know, trying to humiliate you. You're going to have people taunting Penny Hardaway for literally three hours, you know, starting with, you know, an hour before the game and then two hours during the game. You're going to have a lot of things going on in that arena. But when you look at the actual matchups, uh, what's going to be interesting to me is who they throw um, at Achua because he's a guy who can do so many different things at six nine. Uh, you know, do you? I don't know. You probably can't go with Fulkerson on him at the beginning because he'll probably have to go on Ba, the the big guy in the middle there. Or I'm sorry, um, Maurice Isaiah, the big guy in the middle for a little bit. Uh, does that mean that that someone like um, Eve Pons, you know, get, gets that assignment at first? It might be. That might be the guy that that you throw Pons at him and then see. Uh, if he can handle that, and and if if Pons is is having some trouble, then you throw different bodies at him. Maybe let someone like a um, you know come walk him off the bench and be athletic and give him some problems. There's some really interesting matchups in this game because it's not just the backcourt. Obviously, even without Wiseman there, Memphis has plenty of size and different options, and they throw a lot of numbers at you too. I mean they they use their bench. You know that was a. You know, the game where they were down by 14 points to, to to UAB at halftime and came out there and outscored them 39-17 in the second half. And they did that despite playing uh, three guys off the bench, played 20 minutes, two more played, you know, eight-plus minutes, another guy played five minutes. So so they're playing a lot of guys off the bench, whereas Tennessee, it's a really, really small rotation. Yeah, uh, in terms of matchup-wise, uh, defensively, I would assume Eve Pons gets matched up with Precious. Uh, to start the game because I think you want to kind of match that versatility with versatility. Uh, you know, Precious is 6'9". He's a guy that can score it down low. Uh, he's a guy that can handle the ball and step out and shoot it uh, with some range. And, and Eve Pons, like Rick Barnes talked about Tuesday, is thinks he can legit guard one through five and, and thinks he can be one of the best defenders in the country uh, when he's locked in and doing his thing. Uh, and if that happens, then then you think, uh, you know, wh- where does Fulkerson end up and, and, and can he stay out of foul trouble uh, early? Like you mentioned, that that's, that's a key. Uh, can Tennessee attack Precious on the defensive end and maybe pick up some fouls? Can they get any of these guys in foul trouble uh, because of that rotation that you talked about and, and how, how many players that they can play versus uh, how many guys that Rick tends to lean on uh, in these bigger games and, and kind of trims the rotation a little bit? Uh, that's one thing where coming off a 10-day break should help Tennessee as much as anything. Uh, I think uh, Lamonte Turner's still averaging well north of 30 minutes a game. Uh, the same with Jordan Bowden. Uh, how much can those guys produce on the perimeter? Can they lock those uh, Memphis guards down defensively or at least match their production with staying out of foul trouble? Uh, but, yeah, I think it starts with Precious and, and maybe Eve Ponds, uh, and then you kind of work your way out uh, and figure out how you can run with this team. And when you're on the other side of the floor, I think to me, there's I'd be shocked if if Tennessee doesn't do everything in its power to to get Achua in foul trouble early. 
uh, because he's a guy who, without Wiseman in there, if you take Achua out, all of a sudden that really, 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 really hurts that Memphis team. So I, I think he's a guy. Now, I'm not saying they're, they go to some mid-major level without him. they got a bunch of other good players. Uh, but he's the guy who very, very clearly uh, is making them go in a lot of ways. And, and if you can get, you know, Pons or Fulkerson or whoever to kind of take the ball at him, uh, try to get him in some early foul trouble, run some screens. Basically, they're going to try to, fatigue, I, I think, fatigue him as much as possible uh, because he's 6'9", 225. He's certainly a big body, but he's probably not as physically powerful as Eve Pons because who is? So I, I, I think they'll try to kind of wear him out. I know they – I don't know this. I'm guessing they're going to try to make Memphis's big men run the floor uh, and try to get them a little tired. So uh, it's interesting because you, you look at Memphis and, and you look at the – the minutes and you say, well, Memphis probably wants to get Tennessee a little bit tired, uh, but Tennessee seems to be pretty comfortable with that rotation, and those guys are in pretty good shape. Garrett Maidenwald does a good job, so maybe that's not a, a huge factor, but but what I want to talk about before we get out of here, Grant, is that layoff, uh, because you talked about you know it being good for Lamonte Turner's shoulder and things like that, and I agree. They've had some other guys kind of battling some little bumps and bruises, and so, so from that standpoint, it's good, uh, but here's the other, the, the flip side of that. Is it ever good to, you know, not go, you know, go nine days without a game in the middle of a season or nine or ten days, whatever it is, because you get into a habit, you get into a routine, and it's almost like you know what to expect pretty much on every day. Now, all of a sudden, you got guys that are focusing on their academic finals, they're practicing whenever they can throughout the day, they don't play for ten days, do you worry about rust at all during a situation like that? Because I know Rick Barnes is going to practice them hard, but still it's hard to replicate a game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's a good point. It is hard to kind of replicate uh, not only a game, uh, but kind of that routine that you stay in. Uh, you you play somebody on Saturday, and then you have a couple days to turn around and get ready for a Tuesday or Wednesday game, uh, and then you have a couple days to turn around and get ready for a Saturday game, and that's the kind of the mode you operate in. Uh, basically November through March, uh, and your body gets used to that. I think it it benefits Tennessee uh, to be at home, obviously. Uh, I think it it benefits you more to be at home in front of a capacity crowd, such a huge game coming off of that layoff uh, because you're not, you know, they're not rolling into Thompson Bowling Arena and facing Jacksonville State, no offense to Jacksonville State or Alabama A&M or, you know, any of those kinds of teams. This is a really, obviously, a marquee game that's been circled uh, on the calendar and, and obviously when you're in your own gym shots tend to fall a little bit more obviously than on the road uh, so if, if they come out and, and they hit a couple early shots and you know the crowd does what it does uh, I, I would assume they settle in and you really don't think about kind of the layoff and and how many days there were between games if they come out and, and miss some early shots and and Memphis takes advantage and and, and gets up a little bit uh, and, and quiets the crowd a little bit takes a little bit of wind out of the the arena then yeah you, you would certainly be worried about uh, maybe there is some rest there, but I think Tennessee stands to benefit more from it than maybe hurt from it because you are at home in such a big environment, such a big crowd, such a big game uh, that that you really should play well in that situation. Uh, at the same time, you really can't get too excited about uh, how big this game is and, and kind of you know take yourself out of your own game because of you know all the emotion that's that's leading up to this. You kind of got to keep that in check a little bit and just try to benefit from. Uh, the stuff around you. Yeah, because we've talked a lot about Memphis's freshmen, but you know what? Tennessee's got four freshmen too, and and all of them to start to to one extent or another are in the rotation. Uh, you know, maybe Pember will or won't be depending on what game it is, but the other three are playing pretty much every night now. So, uh, and one of them starts. So this is going to be a big game for them too. And I know I, I spoke with uh, Olivier Coma about this, and and he said that 
you know, uh, Devontae Gaines, ticket gains kind of stayed more on script, but, you know, Kumwa came out and said, yeah, I mean, we definitely want to play against Memphis' freshmen because, you know, they're a big-time class. We played against a lot of those guys, you know, in, in the summer circuit and all that, and, you know, we think we're good too, and we want to go out there and show that, that maybe we weren't five stars, um, except for Josiah Jordan-James was, but but that they feel like they can go out there and uh, they can compete with those guys and they can play with those guys. And we all know what Barnes thinks about, you know, Kumwa's upside, so – uh, certainly there's a lot to be excited about there. And, and I think to your point that you mentioned about the layoff grant too, it, it's worth noting that Memphis is kind of going through the same thing too. Memphis played UAB. It's going to be a seven-day layoff for them. So it, it may be you're talking the difference in seven days and nine days, not that big of a difference really. And I think it was smart of Memphis to schedule a, a road game uh, before this Tennessee game to kind of get some 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 of that experience uh, in a situation like that, in a true road game. Uh, but there were 5,041 people at that Tennessee uh, – <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, at that UAB-Memphis game. So it's going to be about you know, more than four times that at, at Thompson Bowling Arena, and it's going to be very, very loud, and it's going to be very, very hostile. And we all know, Grant, that people who don't really follow SEC basketball all that much or don't really pay too much attention across the country – I think people have no idea kind of how tough it can be to play in Knoxville. You're talking about the longest active winning streak in the country, and that's because the teams have been good, but also there have been better teams than Tennessee during that stretch who have lost at home. So it's something about the noise and the vibe in that building that bothers people. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the uh, the, the, the crazy amount of talent that Kentucky's had uh, over the last four years. They haven't won at Thompson Bowling Arena since Rick Barnes uh, took over at Tennessee, and, and you can go down the – the list uh there there are a lot of other good teams that have come in there uh and and not won games because of probably because of the environment there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of moments you can think of uh over the last few years where the place just went bananas and you kind of stop and look around like holy crap it's really loud in here right now like that uh what comes to mind that georgia game uh, two years ago when they clinched the the regular season sec title there was that steal that kind of crazy play on the the loose ball near the sideline uh, and Admirals, I don't know, he he got the save or he, he caught the loose ball as it was trying to be saved or something. He ran out for that dunk, and that was a, that was a crazy moment. Uh, yeah, that, that building gets really, really loud. I don't think you really appreciate it uh, unless you're in there. And, and these, these young guys on both sides, you know, they know who uh, the other person is. They know, you know, where these kids are. All these kids know where, A, they're ranked uh, as prospects and how many stars they have next to their name. Uh, and they know who their opponent is and where they were ranked and how many stars they had uh, next to their name. They know each other from the AAU circuits. I mean, uh, after the Washington game in Toronto, uh, there's there's a moment uh, back in the tunnel where Josiah Jordan-James and, and Isaiah Stewart, the five-star, you know, top five overall player, Washington big man, were, were those two caught up for a minute because that's two five-star players that, that know each other well. And I'm sure there's a chip on the shoulder for a guy like Ticket Gaines and Drew Pember and, you know, all those guys, Olivier Camois, that they weren't those five-star guys. And so it'll be interesting how, how they handle it on both sides and, and who benefits for the most. But it's uh, one thing for sure. It's going to be a wild, wild Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to it. Grant, is there anything else that I didn't ask you, anything that we had on this itinerary that I that I did not remember to ask? I mean, you didn't ask how I was doing. I um, did, too. That was the very first thing I asked. You didn't ask how my day was going. Um, I think the very first thing I said was, how are you doing, buddy? I'm pretty sure that's what how, I said. How am I emotionally um, you don't you don't care about that stuff. That's fine. I mean, when was the last time it was this quiet in your house for an hour? 
I know, and I had to spend it talking to you. I know. <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest with you, I felt really, really bad about that because I thought about when we were recording this. Uh, I was like, yeah, we can do it at this time. And I was like, oh, man, I bet he's really looking forward to just like taking a nap, kind of just sitting there chilling, watching something and watching a game. And, and here we are doing this. So I'll no, go. I've, I've, had, uh, I've had two kids like basically trading illnesses like for the last four days. So I've had cabin fever. So, uh, no, this is this. This is a welcomed. Uh, welcome distraction. Well, I appreciate that. Well, then in that case, I'm sorry that we're about to have to end it. Yeah, got to go back to spend time with my kids now. Yeah, I'm real gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and play some music and get us out of here. We'll we'll see you on, we'll see you on uh, I guess no later Saturday, buddy. See you, buddy. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Or you can go to Twitter and Facebook if you don't want to hear a lot of our kind of personal stuff. Because you know how Grant and Pat just love talking about themselves and their personal lives all the time and, and all these other things nobody cares about. We all know that's the reputation they have. Uh, so if you just want to go there and, and just get straight straight Tennessee information, you can do that at twitter.com slash goballs247 or at facebook.com slash goballs247, which I say this every week, and I always mean it. Grant does an excellent job running that site, and does he just never gets enough credit for it. Our Facebook page is really good, and, he, and he's the biggest reason for that. So thanks to him for that. So you can go to facebook.com slash goballs247 or twitter.com slash goballs247 or you can go get your water directly from the source. Get that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, unfiltered, just right, just, drip, just dripping at you down the mountain. Great stuff. GoVols247.com. You can get 50% off of an annual subscription right now, which is a heck of a deal, and you get free access to CBS All Access in perpetuity as long as you are a GoVols247 paying member. So that means you get all the CBS shows and movies and uh, everything in the archive commercial free. You get live NFL football. You get live SEC football and hoops. You get the NCAA tournament and basketball. You're going to get the UEFA Champions League coming up here in a little bit. Uh, I believe starting next year, I believe, is when that starts. Uh, it's either that next year or the year after. I really should remember that, but I don't right now. Uh, but it's one of those two. Uh, you can also uh, get world, you know, some, some poker tournaments and things like that. You can get podcast stuff, all of it right there at CBS All Access, and that's a $100 annual value that you are getting for free. So, you know what? Here's what you do for the holidays. Buy yourself a holiday gift. Buy yourself GoVols 24-7. Buy yourself that subscription, and then use that CBS All Access login, and you just wrap that up and give that to someone else and say that that is their Christmas present or holiday present. I just, you know what I did? I just solved your holidays for you. Boom. You're welcome. We'll see y'all, I guess, uh, on Friday. We'll, we'll get a little bit of talk from the Memphis side of this series. So until then, see ya.